This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Let's pray again. Lord, we do worship you. Your name is powerful. It's a name above all names. And as we uh, enter our time into your word, I pray that you would just show your power today. Oh, Lord, work through your Holy Spirit, through your word, and uh, God will give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, welcome to those of you who are joining us online, and um, as well as those who are listening on the radio, and of course, we always love to see all of you and worship with uh, those of you who come into our building. We are in part three of a series called No Longer Slaves, and if you haven't been in on the first two parts, you may feel like you're coming in at halftime. Uh, But no worries with the review. We're going to spend just a few moments reviewing, and you'll be able to plug right in. I would encourage you to try to find some time to listen to the first two lessons. And uh, wonderful technology allows us, allows that to happen. And just go to our website, eldochurch.com, and you can follow the links. And uh, every lesson is there. You can listen to it. The man who wrote a majority of the New Testament was the Apostle Paul, and I know that many of you already knew that. When Paul wrote his books, and actually they're they're not just books, they're letters. He was writing letters to churches he had planted, uh, mainly along the Mediterranean rim. But when he writes his books, you can kind of see a pattern. The, The first half of his letters, and not in all of them, but some of his letters begin with some doctrine or theology. Sometimes it's deeper stuff, and, and, and you will find phrases like in Christ, or into Christ, or in Him, through Christ, and, and a lot of us, I, I, I know you're like me, <laughs> at least I think you are, sometimes we're so bound and determined to get through our reading for the day, when we come across these phrases like in Christ, into Him, through Christ, we, we skim over those phrases, we never really stop to research them, and we're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But those phrases are important, and, and if you study them, you will see that they are laying the foundation, um, that they're laying the foundation for the second half of Paul's letters which many times give the practical side of Christian living. And, and Paul, in the practical side, he'll talk about things such as how, uh, how husbands should treat their wives, wives ought to treat their husbands, how employers should treat employees, how employees should treat employers. And, and here's even the best part. There's even a little phrase that says, children obey your parents. And so parents love to bring that out. They kind of use that phrase as a club on a disobedient child. And I actually added a statement this past week just to see how well my grandson knew the Bible. I said, Jace, the Bible says, grandchildren, obey your grandparents and the Lord. He didn't fall for it. He said, Papa, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> but, but there's much practical advice in Paul's letters. But anyway, many times after we make a commitment to follow Christ, we decide that we're going to try to follow some of those practical suggestions that that Paul and and Jesus and and the other Bible writers give, and we decide we're going to clean up our mouth and maybe 
going to quit saying bad words, and we're going to have better attitudes, and we're going to quit our addictions, and, and we're going to quit looking at pornography, and we're going to be attending church more faithfully. And, and sometimes we even get wild and radical, and we decide we're going to start tithing. I was hoping I'd hear an amen on that one, but just got quiet. That was awkward. But, but here's what I found. I found that we're really good at cleaning up our lives. We're really good at quitting our addictions. We're really good at making changes. and We're really good at paying our tithe for about a week. And then we slide back into our old ways. We, we slide back and begin to struggle like the Apostle Paul. Remember this verse that we've looked at every week in Romans chapter 7, verse 15 says, I do not understand what I do. For I want to do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. But Paul is saying what we've all felt. He was saying, man, it irritates me. It frustrates me. Uh, that I have such a struggle when it comes to doing what I know is right. He said, I, I know what's right, and, and I I even want to do what's right, but I end up doing the bad I don't want to do. He said, I keep going back to my old ways. And he, he said, I don't understand why I do this. You know, just on the lighter side, before we get into some, some deeper truths, and we're, we're, uh, I pray that God will really help us to kind of understand. But just on the lighter side, last week after the service, someone texted me a little video that was on Twitter, and you can also find this on YouTube. But it illustrates Paul's frustration. I thought, let me just show this before we get into some deep truths. Guys, go ahead and roll that. Oh, let's start that again. Did you like that video? Okay, try it again. Yep, there we go. Roll it. That's the way we as humans are. There it goes. Watch it one more time. It's just, oh. We don't want to do it, but we go right back to it. And so, so when it comes to our actions, it's like on one shoulder, there's a voice whispering in your ear, this is wrong. It'll harm your body. It'll harm your relationship with your wife or your relationship with God. Don't do it. But on the other shoulder... There's another voice whispering, do it, do it, do it. Yeah, you want to quit your addiction, but remember? Remember what happened last time you tried to quit? You were a nervous wreck because you depend on that substance to calm you down. Or, or, or the voice says, you know, your wife did this to you. Uh, of course, you kind of maybe should take the high road, but honestly, she has this tongue lashing coming to her. She needs to learn a lesson. Or you want to quit saying bad words, but the voice says, you know, those people at work, they just know the buttons to push, and, and those bad words just slip out. So really, it's on them. It's not your fault. It's on them. Of course, you want to be nicer to your kids, but when they act like savages, they deserve to be treated like savages. This voice also says, you want to be faithful to read your Bible and, and pray, but you work so hard to provide for your family. And so God understands you don't have time. 
And so I think we've all had those times where the good that we want to do, we don't do. And here's what happens. After messing up and messing up and messing up, here's what happens. We begin to rationalize things, and, and we find that over time, that the guilt for our sin isn't quite as strong as it once was. And, and we find ourselves saying, well, yeah, I, I sin, but thank God he's a forgiving God. And, and, and so here's what we do. We mess up and sin during the day, but at night we say, dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry, please forgive me of all my sins, and I will do my best to not repeat those sins again. And we don't repeat them again until tomorrow. And then we get to wondering, well, does it really matter? I mean, because in Sunday school, we learned that every time we come to God, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and, 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 he, and He empties our bucket of sin. And so, does it really matter how good we are as long as we can get in that prayer before we take our last breath? God, forgive me of my sins. But when you read after the Apostle Paul, he's going, no, wait, no. You know, the Christian life isn't simply about doing the best you can, yet disappointing God on an hourly basis, and then trying to empty your bucket of sins before you die so you can go to heaven. Paul says there's way more to it than that. Yes, part of the gospel is that God provided a way for our sins to be forgiven so we can go to heaven, but, but that's not the complete gospel. Paul explains to us that we, and understand this is not the doctrine of some radical church. But Paul explains to us that we don't have to be a slave to the power of sin in our lives. And, and here's the reason he would say that. We've illustrated this throughout our series, but again, just kind of as, as a review. Here's Adam. Adam sinned. He sinned. And, and, and as a result of that, Adam's sin was passed down to all of us. This has my name on it. I was born in Adam. Walter, especially you, Denise. Jared, especially you, Jeremy. Kate, we were all born in sin. We were all born in Adam. And, and this statement will, will shake you up a little bit. Are you ready for it? There is no such thing as a good person that occasionally does bad things. Now, family members and especially preachers are, are, are guilty of promoting this. We say, well, you know, so-and-so, you know, they were a good person. They were a little rough around the edges, but they had a good heart. But I want to tell you that you... You are not a good person that occasionally does bad things. Rather, you are a bad person that occasionally does good things. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one. None righteous. Which, if you think about it, makes perfect sense. You, you, you see, I can understand why a bad person would occasionally do something good because we're master manipulators. And so we might do something good in order to gain something for ourselves. So, so of course, bad people occasionally do good things. But Paul says there are no fundamentally good people. Reason? We were all born 
in Adam, in sin. That's our nature when we're born. And remember we pointed out still in our review how the Apostle Paul talked about the entity of sin. We, we typically make sin a verb, which it is. You know, sin is lusting and cheating and, and uh, you know, being enslaved to addictions and lying. But, but Paul also introduces us to the fact that sin is a noun. Sin is a, a thing, a power, a nature, an entity that is passed down to all of us from Adam. We're born in Adam. But thank God, when, when you decide to follow Christ, you're, you're taken out of Adam and you're placed in Christ. Walter, that's you. Denise, that's you. This is me. Whenever we decide to follow Christ, we're no longer in Adam. We're in Christ. So, Paul asks the question, you ready? Why would you live the way that you used to live? If you're in Christ, you received a new self. Old things have passed away. All things are new. So so why would we continue if we say we're in Christ, why would we, we continue to live in Adam? And Paul is not talking about sinless perfection. Don't go away saying that. Here, here's what Paul says. Again, not my words. I've tried to just use the vocabulary, the terminology that's in the word. Paul says we don't have to be slaves to continual, habitual, addicted sins. Not the occasional pop-up sin. But continual sins because... When Christ died, he made it possible for us to no longer be slaves to sin. Which finally brings us up to where we are today. And our goal is to be extremely practical and try to answer the question of, now what? If we have gone from in Adam to in Christ, now what? And I want to go ahead and give you three words that will answer now what and will help walk us through the rest of our lesson. And, and we will call this 3D living. And here are the three words. Decide, declare, devote. 3D living. Let's say these together on the count of three. One, two, three. Decide, declare, devote. So here we go. Fasten your seatbelts. The first word that will launch us into 3D living is the word decide. And, and we'll go to Romans chapter 6, verse 13 here. It says, do not offer the parts of your body. Now, make sure you understand that when he's talking about the parts of your body, he means literal body parts. Sometimes when it talks about the body, it's talking about the general being. But here he's talking about literal body parts such as eyes and ears and, and, and legs and mouth. And Paul is saying, do not offer the parts of your body to what? to sin as instruments of wickedness. Now, again, we want to make this really practical. Here's the way this plays out. You go to Branson or, or wherever, and, and for you men, it's like, ooh, here she comes. Look how she's dressed. And sin says, 
uh, let me borrow your eyes uh, and maybe even a little bit of your imagination. And as she walks by, Sin says, I need your eyes and I need your imagination just to kind of think what if. Or, or, or sin is like, hey, I, I want to borrow your hands and I want to use your hands to sin. Or, or, or sin sometimes says, all I'm asking for is to borrow your thumbs. Why your thumbs? Because your thumbs can take you to a fun place on the phone. Or sin says, I'd like to borrow your mind. It's amazing the thoughts that we can come up with together. Or sin says, let me borrow, you know, your, your, your feet so I can take your body to that place. Or, or, or sin says, let me borrow your mouth for a few moments and I'll coach you what to say to your husband. We'll shred him to pieces and say what you've been wanting to say for a long time. Paul is saying, decide that you will not offer, that you will not loan any member of your physical body to sin. So that means when you're walking in Silver Dollar City, you say, no sin, you can't have my eyes. Or you're alone at home and, and you say, no sin, you can't have my thumbs. No sin, I'm not going there, you can't have my feet. No sin, you can't have my mind. And, and sin, you can't have my mouth. And the reason is that I've decided that sin will no longer be my master. I'm not going to let it bring more death into my life. And so Paul says, do not offer your body as instruments of sin, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And so you're now in Christ. And so you offer the members of your physical body to God. And look what else he says. And offer the parts of your body to him, not as instruments of wickedness, like it said earlier, but as instruments of righteousness. So the first part of 3D living is decide. Decide before the pressure comes. Decide before the temptation comes. Decide before you leave the house. Decide, sin, I will not be your slave anymore. I have a new self in Christ. I'm in Christ. I'm no longer in Adam. Let's go to the second word. First part of 3D living is decide. The second part is declare. And we talked about this, just kind of got into this at the very end last week, but we want to spend more time here. And we're going to backtrack to verse 11. Um, Here's what Romans 6, 11 says. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. Dead to sin, alive to God. Dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And here's what Paul was, was telling us. As you move from in Adam to in Christ, then you need to openly, not secretly, but openly declare that you are dead to sin, alive to Christ. And remember your homework last week? You were supposed to whisper something certain times. Sin is not my master. 
And even though I realize that just saying things out loud doesn't necessarily change hearts, yet declaring this reminds us that sin is not our master. And this is, the, this is the reason we need to remind ourselves of this, because here's what's going to happen to you today or maybe tomorrow or, or later on this week. When you get in your car, in a few moments, because some of you are predisposed to this, you will be tempted to go into a negative mode and complain about someone at the church or about something that happened at the church. Or maybe it'll be later on this week. You know, that thing, that, that sin of your old self, that, that sin that has controlled you for so long is going to rise up. Maybe it's the sin of gossip. Maybe it's the sin of lust. Maybe it's the sin of jealousy or, or anger. Or, or, or there's that desire to go back to that addiction. Whatever it is that has controlled you is going to come knocking at the door of your new self. And, and it will say, hey, remember me? We used to be good pals. We used to have a good time together. Can we hang out for a bit? In those times, you need to declare, sin is not my master. Paul says in verse 12, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. And let me just spend a couple of minutes here because this is so important. I, I want to ask you a question, and I pray that God would just kind of drive this question deep into our, our, our hearts. But when you wrestle with sin, or when you argue with sin, or, or argue with temptation, here's the question. Which side of the argument do you identify with? Let me ask it again. When you wrestle with sin, argue with sin, debate with temptation, and there's always the argument, isn't there? You know, Paul talked about that I shouldn't go there, but I want to, I should do this, but I'd rather do that, and there's always the argument. But, but when you have the argument of, I know I shouldn't, but I want to, which side do you identify with? Do you identify with it from the standpoint of being in Adam? If you do, let me tell you how this argument will sound. You will say something to this effect. Well, nobody's perfect. And plus, I've always been susceptible to this. You know, my mom struggled with this issue. Her mom struggled with this issue. I come by it naturally. I can't help it. You know, it's just in my DNA. It's in my genes. And, or for you men, you say, well, you know, that's just kind of what men do. Um, plus, looking at pornography is, is, is better than actually committing the act with someone. So would you rather I do that instead of just look at pictures? Or, or teenagers? Maybe this is the way you identify, you know, my hormones are out of whack, so cut me some slack. This is what all teenagers do. When I get older, I'll settle down a little bit in that area. Or, yeah, I, I know I shouldn't have this addiction, but if I, if I stopped, I'd be a mess. I couldn't function without it. That's what gets me through the day. If you argue from that standpoint, you're basically teaming up and arguing on the side of sin. And if you defend your sin, you will lose the battle to sin every single time. And sin will be your master, and you will be its slave. 
But it becomes a completely different struggle when you identify with Christ because now the struggle looks like this. Wow, I really want to do this. But I'm no longer in Adam. I'm in Christ. And I, I, I realize what's happening. Sin is trying to control me. This is sin trying to still be my master. It's trying to draw me back into my addiction. You know, this is sin that's trying to get me to click here and and you know, the Bible tells me that, that death always follows sin, and Lord knows I've had enough death. I, I, I've had enough death in my marriage, maybe marriages. I've had enough death with my finances. I've had enough death with my health because of my habits, addictions. So why in the world would I, someone who is in Christ, has a new self in Christ, yield to this temptation? So when you struggle... And you will, and I will. When you struggle and are tempted and you find yourself in a raging battle, whichever side of the equation you identify with has everything to do with the outcome. Again, if you identify with, well, I'm a sinner, I can't help it, nobody's perfect, this is the way men are, this is the way women are, this is the way my daddy was, what do you expect? I was brought up in this kind of abusive home. And as long as you identify with your old self, you will continue to behave the way you've always behaved. But if you identify with, I have a new self, I'm in Christ. And with God's help, sin will not be my master. And so Paul says, do not let sin reign in your bodies, which means that, do you know what this means? It means you have a choice. You can say no to sin. Sin can knock at the door. It can ring the doorbell. Sin can text you. Sin can email you. Sin can ask to be your friend on Facebook. But you have the power to declare, I am dead to sin, alive to Christ. Sin is no longer my master. Let's come to the third word, the word devote. We need to devote our body to God. And Paul says this in the closing verses of Romans chapter 6, there in verse 20. It says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. In other words, when you were a slave to sin, you basically did whatever you wanted to do. You didn't follow what righteousness wanted you to do. And then the next phrase is fascinating. I, 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 for some reason, I've never paid attention to this phrase until this week. Paul asks a question. He says, what benefit did you reap? At the time, at that time, from the things you're now ashamed of, Paul was saying, okay, what do you have to show for your sin that you're now ashamed of? How did your sin truly benefit you? Can you say, I sinned and I'm so happy I did and, and the result is now I have a better life and, and, and my family is happier and healthier and, and that sin will help me leave a wonderful legacy to my kids? But Paul says, what do you have to show for your sin? What do you have to show for your addiction? What do you have to show for those bad words that you say? Are you a better person because of it? Well, in the next part of this verse, he tells us what sin results in. Those things result in death. 
sin leaves in its wake death. Verse 22, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves or for the sake of 3D living, not just slaves, but devoted to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And, and that word holiness, I went to the original Greek language of the New Testament, it means purity, sanctification. And, and what is the result of holiness? Result is eternal life. So here's a key statement. The benefit, the benefit of no longer being slaves to sin is holiness. The benefit of holiness is eternal life. Like some of you, I have a morning devotional time, and I realize some of you maybe don't need it. Uh, you're already close enough to God. And I know some of you have more important things to do, like check Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, but... Personally, I need to begin my day by, by getting my mind and my body and my heart recalibrated around God. I, I need this time. I, I don't know why I get frustrated, kind of like the Apostle Paul sometimes, but um, for some reason it seems that my spiritual life needs a constant tune-up. And maybe a few of you can relate. But for those of you that do have a morning quiet time with God, can I, may I offer a suggestion to you? Um, as we recalibrate our hearts and our attitudes and our motives and prepare for the day, may I suggest a prayer that you might pray? And, and, and I would want you to pray this in your own words, not as a memorized prayer, not just like going through a bunch of beads or whatever like this, but a, a prayer from the heart that might look like something might look something like this, again, from your heart, your own words. God, today, as I recalibrate myself to you, I, I submit the members of my body to you as instruments of righteousness. Now, I, I know that word righteousness sounds like old King James Version, but it just means uprightness. God, I submit my body as instrument, as an instrument of righteousness. And, and then again, your own words from, from your heart. You might get more specific and, and just start at the top of your head and, and go down. And I did this this morning before I came into church. God, the first thing I want to give you is my mind. I sometimes struggle thinking bad thoughts or critical thoughts or lustful thoughts. So at some point today, more than likely, sin will come to me, ask to borrow my mind. And I want to be able to say that to sin. Uh, sorry, sin, I've already given that to God. So, God, I give you my mind right now. God, I also want to give you my eyes here at the very beginning of this day because at some point today, sin is probably going to ask to borrow my eyes to look at something I shouldn't look at. And so ahead of time, ahead of time, I want to give them to you. That way when sin says, okay, Buster, I need your eyes to sneak a peek, I can say, oh, sorry, but I already gave them to God. And then God, I, I want to just devote my mouth, maybe double, triple devote my mouth to you because I do, do I ever have a problem with my mouth? You know, I struggle with gossip. I, I, I sometimes destroy people with my mouth. I, I even sometimes say words that I shouldn't say. So, so, so here's my mouth. I devote it to you. That way when sin comes and says, buddy, I, I need your mouth to say something, I can say, too late. I already gave it to God. I think, i got to give you my hands because at some point sin is going to ask for my hands and include it in that, I'm going to give you my thumbs. 
because I use my thumbs a lot every day, you know, to swipe, sometimes to type on my phone. So, God, I give you my thumbs. God, I'm also going to give you my feet. Because at some point, sin may want me to go somewhere where it wouldn't be best for me. So I'm giving you my feet. So for those of you who, who need a quiet time of recalibration like I do, may, may I just suggest that daily in some form, would you devote your entire body to God? Especially those members that sin is always wanting to borrow from you. And if you will specifically devote your body to God, something amazing will begin to happen. And you will find that you're still a slave, but no longer a slave to sin. Rather, as Paul said, you will be a slave to righteousness. Sin will no longer be your master. Jesus Christ will be. Now, there's one more factor I want to bring in under this 3D point of, uh, of devote. Do you remember at the beginning when I said there's no such thing as a good person who occasionally does something bad? Rather, we're just all bad people who occasionally do something good. And so from that perspective, there's only one who is able to truly live the Christian life. There, there's only one good person. And that's not you. And it certainly isn't me. The only good person... The only person that can truly live a Christian life is Jesus. Now, now hang with me. And so as long as we're trying and trying to somehow live up to all of the intimidating standards of Christ and you know, all of the do's and all of the don'ts, if that's the way that we approach holiness, if focusing on following rules and commandments is the way that we approach righteousness and holiness... You will fail miserably and so will I. Guaranteed. So what should we do? Well, to be able to declare that we're no longer a slave to sin, we need to allow Christ to live his life through us. Let me repeat that. To no longer be a slave to sin, we need to let Jesus live his life through us. And, and Jesus explained this in John chapter 15, verse 5. It says, I'm the vine. You're just the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Who will bear much fruit? Remaining in him, being connected to him. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So, so trying and, and trying harder won't yield results. You cannot live a life of holiness on your own. Being able to say no longer a slave to sin, being able to live a life of holiness is beyond you, it's beyond me. But again, being connected to the source, being connected to the vine, being connected to Christ. What will happen? We will begin to bear righteous fruit. And when I realized that concept, it was a game changer. And I'm prou proud to tell you, since I put this in practice 30 years ago, I have not sinned one time, not single time, one time in 30 years. Okay, I'm wrong. <laughs> I have. Of course I have. Way too many times to count. But, but I want to just tell you this, that 
When we begin to abide in Christ, when we begin to abide in the vine, it totally, completely changes things. And, and now when you open up the books of Romans and, and, and Ephesians and Philippians and, and Colossians, it's not overwhelming. It's not, oh, my word, here's something else I have to live up to. Oh, here's another rule and here's another do, here's another don't. Oh, here's something else about how to be a better husband or whatever. And Paul, Paul is going, no, no, no. He's saying your human efforts will never be capable of living the Christian life. But, but Christ is very capable of living the Christian life through you. It means we wake up every day and say, of course I can't, but Jesus, you can. You say, Joe, that's so different. I know it is. And it will take some getting used to because we're used to trying harder. We're used to using more discipline. And, and, and that's part of it. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And that's good. We need it. We need to develop that. But when we understand that life in Christ is life through Christ, that will revolutionize everything. So, you know, I've been praying that God would just help us. I, I think that, again, I think that we've overstated this doctrine. We've made it so big and unattainable and then the other side is we've dumbed it down and we've understated it and it's like well anything goes because that's just you know we're human and but I believe that God has a place for us to where we can live a life of victory will there be pop-up sins yep do we have to be a slave to habitual continual addicted sins I believe it's clear that Paul is saying no, 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 you don't have to. And so that's 3D living. Decide. And we included a card for you just to take home so that you've got this there. Put it someplace prominent. But decide you are going to no longer live in Adam because you're, you're not in Adam, you're in Christ. Declare that you now have a new master and it's not sin. And then devote yourself to being connected to the vine. Remember, because it says apart from me, you can't do anything. So if we're apart from him and we're trying harder and harder, there is no fruit. But when we're connected to the vine, Jesus will then live a life of holiness through us. You say that's so different and it is. But I thank God that he made provisions for all of us. So as we, um, as we wrap up our lesson today, and Lord willing, we'll probably have one more lesson and then we'll close out this series. But could we just, uh, maybe in our closing time of prayer, just say, God, I've been trying and trying and trying and trying. My efforts in Adam have been nothing but failure. But now in Christ, I want to be connected to, connected to the vine, and you live your life through me. Can we just do that as we pray? Lord, I thank you for your word. And God, I, I, I'm sorry that I think we preachers have made this doctrine so complicated. We've elevated it to a place that's unattainable. Lord, we've dumbed it down to where 
we don't even look different than what the world does. But I pray, God, that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Lord, that we would cut the excuses. And again, Lord, we can't do this on our own. If we just say, okay, I'm turning over a new leaf, and from this day forward, I'm going to try harder and all of this, God, it will end up just like all of the other times in failure. But Father, I pray that you would help us to now connect to the vine. And that's the game changer. God, whenever we're living our life through you, you're living your life through us. Father, at that point, then we can be slaves to Jesus Christ. So God, as we leave here this week, as things come up, Father, even as we get into our cars and maybe there are thoughts, maybe there are memories, maybe something happened, maybe we came across someone in church that did us dirty and God, there will be a temptation to go back to that place of feeling sorry for ourselves or, but I pray Lord that we would just be able to, God, decide declare and devote our lives to God. God, that we would just live lives of holiness. And so, Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the book of Romans, a a book that's been misunderstood and sometimes avoided because of the depth. But thank you for the truth that you have given us there for daily living. And so, Lord, uh, we go from here, ready to live our lives in Christ. And at that point, you will live your life through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for coming, and uh, the Lord bless you this week. We'll see you. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.